morning, Minneapolis, and other beautiful cities all around the world. My name is Lavia Alva, and I am an extreme extrovert. So, for those who have never ever been to Minneapolis, and even for those who have, um, you might agree with me, you might not. However, the thing about the city of Minneapolis is today, for me, it is very warm. Is about 98 degrees and I've lived in Minneapolis most of my life I've I'm 28 years old I've lived all my life here not necessarily um, in the same neighborhoods but all around Minneapolis and the thing I really do enjoy about the city is and in the state in general is Minnesotans we enjoy the weather. When it is hot, when it's cold. You know, not, I'm not talking about everybody, but in general. In general, as a population, as a whole, we tend to enjoy the time that we have outside. And you know why that is, right? Because, much like the Midwest, we have many different kinds of seasons. We have, like autumn, spring, winter, like every other city. But the weather is just very, very different. You know, our summers get really, really hot here. And the winter gets so excruciatingly cold. For me, I usually go make my way to work. And when I make my way to work, I only have to walk about five blocks. But I have my winter boots on, my snow pants, my sweatshirt, leggings underneath my sweatpants. On days that are really, really cold, I often wear leggings, jeans, sweatpants, uh, sweatpants, um, snow pants only if it's really mushy. I don't really wear snow pants that often, unless you're going like skiing or something, or long distances. Like sometimes I'll take the light rail or the bus, and it's a good idea to bring your snow pants because it's just that cold. <laughs> did I say did I say sweatpants? I sometimes do layer. With sweatpants, but that's only if it's not that cold where I have to wear my snow pants. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Um, but this is one thing I really like about Minneapolis. And for those who have never been, you should definitely come in the summer. There's a lot of things to do. You can, you know, walk around the lakes. We have a lot of lakes here. Um, a lot of people will say, oh, let's go to the beach. That's a very Minnesota say, Minnesotan thing to say. We also say, let's go to the lake. It's the same thing. I've had friends that are like from California and warmer states, and they're like, why do you say um, you're going to the beach? I don't know. Some, of, some people say, let's go to the beach. Some people say, let's go to the lake. But technically, it's a lake. <laughs> we don't have any beaches here. Anyway. Something that I wanted to remind everybody in regards to sobriety. Sobriety is a journey that can take a lifetime. It's sometimes short-lived for some people. And that's the thing that's so fascinating to me. One thing that's fascinating to me is why some people choose to... Um, completely become sober and then some people almost have like a phase and 
as a person that struggles with an addiction myself, I always wonder what deter what de- determines these two people. Like who who is the kind of person that goes through their college phase? I will just call it a college phase. Not everyone goes to college, but you know what I mean, though? College phase is like young adult, you meet up with a lot of people, you know, you're maybe dating, um, drinking, partying. That's what I consider a college phase. Even if you don't go to college, that's what I consider it. It's kind of a young adult time, especially in the United States. Especially in, within the group that I hung out with. When I was 18, I was so excited. I went to a bar, and it's you're not allowed to drink until you're 21 here in the United States, in most places in the United States. Some places you do, you can. I think Wisconsin you can if you're accompanied by your parent. If you're like 16, I'm not sure, though, but I heard some states you can. Um, and it's very interesting. It's an interesting uh, time in your life, you know, as a young adult, especially in the United States, because our culture here is to have so much alcohol that you binge, do crazy shit, maybe make mistakes, maybe act a fool. And I realized, like, when I was traveling to, like, Thailand, I've traveled to Thailand, I've traveled to Korea, and I realized when I went to these places, this is not all the places, But I've also been to Spain, too, and I realize that there's definitely a culture, a different culture, in regards to drinking. Spain, I went to Segovia. Segovia is a small, small city. And I think it's an hour away from Madrid. And when I went there, I rarely, rarely, I honestly, I could probably bet most of my savings. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty 95% sure the place where I was in Segovia, like, the places that I was hanging out, I never saw, like, hard liquor. Ever. I always saw, like, wine and beer, but I never, like, a vodka. I, I don't think I've ever had a hard liquor once while I was in Segovia. Ever. And I don't know why that is, but I, I talked to the host parents that were hosting and I was staying at their house and they just said that most people just don't really engage in that activity and what's so hilarious this is it's not hilarious but it's just an interesting um, story to kind of get you to understand the dynamic my sister asked her host mom in Segovia, if they could go out, you know. Because here in the United States, sometimes you go out with your girlfriends. You go out with your girlfriends, lady friends, and you, you know, dance, have drinks, maybe get a little drunk and then go home and pass out. <laughs> and her host mom was like, absolutely, we're going to have a, night, a girl's night out, let's do it. And so as the night is progressing, and as it's getting closer to going out, her host mom is like, okay, let's let's get in the car, you know, let's get the children, let's get dad, let's get everybody. And my sister was like, okay, that's fine. Maybe she's dropping them off. She was like, hey, you know what? Are the kids, like, going to their practice? Because, you know, they had children, the host family, and they were busy children. They did sports, they had school, they had lots of things. So she was like, oh, we're just going to drop them off, right? <laughs> 
She's like, no. Or you said you wanted to have a night, a girls' night out, right? She was like, yeah. <laughs> she was like, well, let's go. I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like sitting there too. I was like, okay. And we're all in the car. It's like mom, dad, two kids, me, my sister, and we're all held in this car. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Maybe the dad's bringing them somewhere. Nope, not in Segovia. That's the one thing I kind of liked about Segovia. Is that everybody goes to the bar. Everybody goes together. Like, there's grandma, there's mom, there's the babies. And, like, everybody's running around. And for me, that's such a different culture. Because I would not actually go. Maybe now that I'm older. Well, and maybe now that I'm sober, this probably would definitely probably not happen. But, um, <laughs> you know, in, in maybe in my adult life, I would have had a cocktail with my mom. Which I had. I've had, like, one or two in the past. But, like, as a young adult, I would have probably never gone with my parents to a club or a bar. That just wasn't thought of. I just would always be with my friends. And it was very interesting that the culture was there. And, like, it was very interesting for me to see that the kids were running around. Like, you know... Just playing. Kind of like here we have different restaurants that you can bring your kids. Like, you probably heard of McDonald's. Everyone's heard of McDonald's. Um, and like, you can bring your kids and play on the playground, like the designated area. And so we do have places like that. But I don't know. I just thought that was such an interesting, different concept that I actually kind of preferred. Especially for me personally, because when I was really deep into my addiction, my alcohol addiction, I um, would often go to the bar by myself. And it, it kind of presented to me a kind of a heavy feeling, like of a sorrow, of a sadness. And some bars kind of give you off the, like, give off that feeling. Like, kind of like, lonely, dark... And that's just how I kind of see bars. Bars, I think of when, when I hear the word bar, for me it's very, very different. It might be the same, it might be same or similar or different for you. But I know many experiences when I went to the bar were lonely, dark, hiding, um, coping. You know, and maybe those aren't the greatest things to associate with the word bar. You know, I always thought, like, it was something that you do when you're bored. Nothing else to do. And it would have, I feel like, if I would have grown up and experienced that environment a little bit more lively, I feel like I might have had a different association with that word. And maybe environmental factors, you could have argued, maybe perhaps, you know, an addiction wouldn't have developed. Or maybe perhaps I would have had happier memories, so then I wouldn't have had, you know, other things happening. And that's the thing about life, is sometimes you can't just sit and wonder about the what-ifs. You know, you can. You can be like, oh, what if I had lived in a different city? What if I had grown up in a different... Time. What if I had experienced and learned about things earlier, later, whatever. Sometimes 
<sighs> Sometimes it's hard not to think about these, these wonders. Because you can't really go back, so there's really no point in really self-sabotaging oneself and thinking so much in the past, or in the future, or in the what-ifs. But we have them, you know. We have them. And that's the thing. Sometimes, um, especially with long-term sobriety, sometimes you still in the back of your head have this feeling like, you know, what if I'm cured now? What if I'm fixed? What if I can just change? What if now I can go out, you know, and I can control myself now? Why do I think this? Because supposedly it's normal. My therapist always told me, be careful of this thought. Be careful of this element. Like, this element. Oh god, now I'm just talking shit. Okay, just this concept. The concept of, I've been sober for so long, I can handle this, I'm good, I'm gonna try again. And that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen like that. Life never happens like that. And it's tricky because my brain always likes to play with me like that. It's like, hmm, wonder what if I could have a margarita today. I wonder if I'd be okay. You know, your brain just freaking plays with you like that sometimes. And it's annoying because you have to say, stop. This is not how it is. This is not life. This is a trick. This is the... This is the the tricky thing about sobriety is that there's because it always sometimes feels so great and too good that we sometimes believe ourselves to be super powered like these super power people. And that's not the case. We're still addicts, we're still people, we're still human, and we're still going to make mistakes. <sighs> But the serious case of the fuckets, though. My gosh, the serious cases of the fuckets. That's what it really gets you. The serious case of the fuckets. Oh my gosh. When you wake up one morning and you're like, oh my goodness, I do not care. I'm just going to do whatever the crap I want. That is a dangerous, dangerous thought. Because you think you're so in invincible sometimes. And I know this is not just me. This is I know this is other people, too. And I know that specifically, if you're an addict, this has to happen to you. Because I know, I know this, I know this feeling that you just like wake up and you're like, you know what, I'm different, I got this. Because you almost want to prove to yourself that you're not the person that you think you are. <sighs> it's frustrating sometimes, I'm going to be honest. Sobriety is great, it's fun, and it has a lot of rewards. But it sure as hell is confusing sometimes, and it sure as hell <sighs> is annoying sometimes. But I appreciate everyone listening to my long rant because this has really been on my mind lately. Like lately, lately. And I'm still thinking to myself, like, what? Because someone asked me, they were like, what makes an addict compared to someone who just went on a binge in high school or college or wherever the, wherever people start drinking? 
And they're like, what's the difference between an addict and then someone who can just stop? And I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. You know, I've, I've gotten this question over and over and I'm like, I'm not sure. I, I know that on my, based on my experience, an addict is somebody that, you know, if, if your life is being disrupted. So if you're drinking like three days in a row, not going to work, not paying your bills, not doing anything, that is most likely going to be an addiction because it's disrupting your life. People that can, like tempered people that can go about their life and have one beer and then go off to work, I don't really consider that an addiction at all. I really don't consider that a problem at all. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're really worried about it, the best thing to do is talk to your doctor and talk to a mental health practitioner. Or a nurse. You can always call helplines too, they can help you. I just, I, that's the mystery in it myself. Like thinking like biologically and cognitively and like mentally and environmentally. Why are some people just luckier than others in regards to addiction? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, thanks for joining me on this really short podcast. I know it was a short day. Um, I'm going to try to start up these podcasts again. I was just very, very busy. I'm changing my schedule a bit. And I am interested to possibly be maybe moving to Arizona. So, I'm excited. I'm You know, life is a little crazy right now, and I don't know exactly what is set in stone, but I'll keep you guys updated. And please do not hesitate to message me if you um, just need any peer support. I'm not a professional. Um, Any peer support, um, AA supports, um, things like that. I'll be on Wisdo, the app Wisdo. Um, I'm also trying to learn French. French is very hard for me, but I am at, um, I'm at a decent level in Spanish right now. And my goal is to progress my Spanish. And on tandem, I am, um, I did start hanging out on the app Tandem, T-A-N-D-E-M. It is a forum, um, for people to learn different languages and to practice their languages. I'm hoping that um, I can practice Spanish, eventually French, and maybe um, get to the point where I can conversate with people in regards to sobriety and how other countries, how their customs work through their issues. This is my goal. And it would be awesome if anybody who um, knows Spanish or a little bit of French can Talk to me on tandem, um, practice with me so that we can get uh, more ideas rolling in regards to sobriety and um, just, you know, getting connections, learning. I want to learn about how different cultures and different um, places kind of deal with alcoholism and addictions. And I feel like once I can learn those languages, it would broaden my horizons with that knowledge. And that is my goal. So please... um, Anybody who knows French or Spanish, hit me up on Tandem. I would love to practice with you and 
eventually get to a fluent level. I ha- I'm, I hope that my podcast has been um, giving you some insights, some joys, some ideas, maybe some thoughts. Um, I really do enjoy um, verbally expressing my ideas and cognitively thinking through issues and concepts. All right, so I will not ramble on. I will say um, have a safe, 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 safe travel. And I will see you next time. Safest, safest, safest of travels.